have a whole lot more space to furnish and thinking about hiring a professional to help you out, or maybe you're not sure if having a designer is right for you, well, join me with another seasoned designer and we are going to chat all about it today. So grab your cup of coffee and join us. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. So I am very excited to have with me today Renee Berry. Renee is an interior designer based in Wilmington, Delaware, and she is a graduate of the New York School of Interior Design. She is formally trained in practical interior architecture with advanced technical and rendering proficiency. During and following her schooling, Barry worked in the design field in New York. She began in 1993 as an associate in the very well-known Lexington Avenue boutique firm of designer Charlotte Moss. She then spent several years after that as senior designer in the firm of Barbara Hoban-Ross, a well-known New York designer also. Barry returned permanently to Wilmington in 2000 and established her own firm, Divernier Design. She works in restoration as well as new construction and remains committed to the personal attention of a studio practice where she is fully involved from inception to installation in every assignment. Renee also has just launched her own podcast called The Only Girl on the Job Site, which you will hear us talk about. And I've been wanting to have another designer on to talk about what I think could be a little bit of a struggle for people is trying to figure out who to hire for a designer and what's a good fit. And especially depending on where you live in the country, the abundance of designers available is a lot. So we wanted to break it down a little bit from a designer's perspective and impart some advice. And hopefully that'll help you with your own home if you are considering hiring a designer and what you think you know would be a good fit. So here we go with Renee and let's go. Hi, Renee. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have you. Thanks, Jill, for having me. This is exciting. It is. And you know what? You just launched your podcast. So we're going to get into that too. And like, I think, what, is this the first week it's up or last week? The first full week it's up. Yep. It's been exciting. It's awesome. Yeah. It's been a fun journey. Yeah. It's so cool. So we'll get into all of that too. So if you want to just give the audience a brief introduction about you, then we'll, we'll kind of get into our topics for the day. Sure. My name is Renee Beery. I'm the owner of Devigne Design, and we're located in Wilmington, Delaware. I am a high-end residential interior designer, and I have a specialty in construction oversight. And that can really go from small renovations to ground-up home builds and everything in between. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, we'll later in our discussion, we're going to highlight for everybody, you know, what what exactly Renee does, because she's got some new great services along with her podcast. But I really wanted to have another designer on today because, you know, for years I've been noticing, I think that selecting a designer is hard for people. I think if they've never had a designer before, and even if they had and they're moving or they want to switch or whatever, I think it was a great topic to to talk about where to even begin with, if knowing if working with a designer is even right for you. I mean, that's number one, because it might not be. And I mean, I've come across people over the years where I've said, 
you know what? I don't think you're ready almost, you know, like you kind of need to be ready, right? In your mind to have somebody help you. And there were a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but there were people definitely I encountered in the past that maybe felt like that's what they should be doing or whatever, but really it wasn't right for them. So like anything else in life, if it's not right for you, you know, don't do it. Right. Right. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about if you think you want to go that route, you know, how to select a designer and kind of like what your perspective is on it as far as, you know, finding a match. Right. Yeah. Which is critical. Right. And a good fit. Yeah. I mean, sure. I think, you know, most people come at this, well, I should say they used to come at this sort of naturally through their friends or a coworker, you know, someone telling them about whatever great experience they've had. Now, I think with sort of the dawn of the HGTV, people sort of see it differently. And and I'm not sure that's a good thing. I am not a, I'm not a huge fan of HGTV. I think it's not necessarily based in at least the reality I have witnessed. But I do think it's educated people to a point of of importance where they at least know some sort of basic terminology and what a designer really should be doing and shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing. But I find most people, you know, I, I work completely word of mouth. I think a lot of designers do unless they're mm-hmm. new to an area. And I think... But even given that, I'm not a good fit for everyone and everyone's not a good fit for me. So to your point, I think finding the right fits is really the key to success. Yeah. And so I'm so glad you said that about, you know, I think that customers think or, you know, they're reaching out to find a designer. A lot of times there's an initial interview set up. And what I always used to say was, yes, they're interviewing me and they may or may not know it, but I'm also interviewing them because Mm -hmm. It needs to be a good fit all the way around. Right. And so, like I said, like with some of the people who I felt like they weren't even ready for a designer, mm-hmm. I would sort of bring that to light in a certain way where, you know, are you ready for this, this or this? Because if you're not, like it's not going to work great. And I'd rather you wait, you know, Absolutely. or yeah. So, I mean, it is important. And I think with anything else, we kind of have these boxes we check, right? It's like, well, okay, the budget and maybe what's her style, right? And yep. How's her schedule work with our schedule, right? Because I've had clients who were both working in the city long hours. So they needed to know that sometimes I would need to meet them in the evening or a Saturday, right? Sure. And so are you willing to do that or not? So there's all kinds of different things that come up. But like you just said, there's something that I call the it factor. And Mm -hmm. you either kind of gel or you don't. And I feel like even if let's say two out of the five boxes are checked, but then you gel, the gelling takes over, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sure. Because you're talking about an initial meeting, you know, I mean, someone may have had a long day and they're a little tired, you know, it may not get the full picture, but if you get that it factor that can sort of, you know, supersede any, any minor issues you may be worrying about. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point about, so you're right. So my business primarily, I receive clients through word of mouth, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I recently did a little bit of a market analysis and it turns out many of my clients I've been receiving in the past, I would say two to three years have come through Facebook. Now, you can call that word of mouth because it's through like local groups, but it's, it's just different. It's a little interesting how it's happening. And so that's the other thing, you know, a lot of people are finding through social media even if it's not posted as a referral, they might just follow your account on Instagram or Facebook. There's a lot of different ways now to 
look for a person, right? Sure. And what you and I do is visual. So it would be logical to go to you know a platform like that that shows pretty pictures. Exactly. And then you have to be careful of that too, because sure. there's some mm -hmm. who have great pictures. And then when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of working with them, it might not be a good fit. Absolutely. And vice versa. Yep. I don't know about you, but I sure haven't been able to photograph anything in, you know, close to a year. Yeah, that does happen too. Not everything exactly. Because, you know, here's the thing. We come in with a lot of creative ideas as designers. For me, you know, if there was an area where I would try to open up their mind or push a certain concept and it really just wasn't going to happen, I'm not going to push it to the point where everybody's miserable even sure. though I know it might be great. So there are things as designers that we compromise on, right? Absolutely. Where we say, well, we would have done this, but the client really needed it this way for that reason. And so fine. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because um, ultimately they need to be happy. Now I have heard from some customers that, and again, it just comes down to personality. Some people don't want to be forced like that. They're uncomfortable and other people want to be pushed out of their zone. Yep. So again, that comes down to the it factor about the personality of that designer, right? Absolutely. Yep. Years and years ago, I had an interview with a potential client, a husband and wife. And this was when you had physical portfolios. He would go mm -hmm. through the portfolio. And at the end, we got along beautifully. And at the end, he said, well, I don't see my living room in your photos. Mm -hmm. And I was much younger. And I thought, what on earth did he just say? And and I, it occurred to me and I said, oh, okay, well, it's because we haven't done it yet. So there are some people who need that familiarity. They need my client's home, you know, no two homes really look alike. There's probably some common factors, but, but again, it's that it factor. Like he needed to see something that would feel like his living room, meaning that I had like one style and I just sort of, you know, slightly finessed it for each client. So, you know, at yes. that point I was a little flummoxed, but in the end I was thrilled. I'm like, it wouldn't have been a good fit. He wouldn't have liked what I did. It would have pushed him too far. So it's so interesting you said that because I've had a few calls in the last couple of months where people do want to sort of pinhole you to this one style. And they're like, yeah. well, what is your style? Because I want to know if it matches mine exactly. Right. And here's the thing about me anyway. I grew up in an antique business. My mom is still working and she's an appraiser auctioneer. And I grew up around a lot of different genres and things. And without realizing it before I went to design school, I had a really innate understanding of design and line and form and styles, right? Yeah. And I had, and then when I went to design school and particularly in like one of my history of furniture classes, I really have gained such an appreciation for each era and for why, because things were done for a reason. Right. And I also like to meld them together. And, and I like, like you said too, I don't want everybody's house to look the same. I right. mean, that's no. so boring, right? Sure. So I've had a few people really try to pigeonhole me. Mm. And I know that they wanted a certain answer. And if they didn't get it, they probably weren't going to hire me, but I'm not going to lie either. Right. So I explained to them, I, and I do really feel that a good designer understands multiple genres. And the key is they know how to incorporate those with what you want, need, like, and how you function. Absolutely. To me, that's a really good designer. Yeah. But there are a lot of people that are like, well, if your design isn't just this one look and that's not me, then that's not for me. And like you said, then thank you. That's fine. Because I don't want to make everybody's look the same. So sure. And I think some of it is is the predictability. I think it makes people you know, anxious and nervous to not be able to predict what their 
what this guy's living room was going to look like. And some of that, you know, obviously falls in our hands if they, they were clients to give them the reassurance that the finished product will be something that they've envisioned and liked and wanted. But on the other hand, I mean, there's just some some things that are completely out of our control. And so, right. if, you know, if a client's walking in with this preconceived anxiety, then, then nobody benefits. You know, certainly the job doesn't benefit from it. Yes. And I do think you bring up a good point because so design is an investment and I call it an investment, not an expense. I mean, you know, interior design actually increases the value of your home. Absolutely. Um, legitimately. So I even had my accountant several years ago say to me, because he had seen my portfolio. I think it was when we had updated a website and he was like, you need to be charging more because <laughs> this is, this is like, this increases people's home values, what you're doing, you know, sure. and that was my accountant, but you know, it is an investment. And so I do understand people want to make the right choice with their money. We all do. I do too. So it's a very valid point that they could feel anxious if they don't know what they're getting. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, by saying, oh, it could be whatever that we're all willy nilly. And, you know, you just might get whatever. I think it's more that we want your home to be unique and reflect you. Exactly. And, um, and you know, I've even told clients, I said, listen, if you knew me 10 years ago, actually, I've been living in this house 11 to 11 years ago, that that house no longer reflects who I am today. My life was mm -hmm. different. I, I had one child and I, you know, had a very small family. Now we have two kids and a dog and, you know, our lives are very, very different. I mean, do I still have some of the same pieces of furniture? Of course, but mm -hmm. it's just evolves, you know, I have everything kind of evolves. So I, I agree with you. And I, I always sort of challenge the client. We call it a controlled selection, right? So we'll bring stuff in. And of course, we sort of called the herd. We're not going to bring in 30 different options because someone's going to get overwhelmed by that. But, you know, they'll say, okay, Renee, well, which one should I use? Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I feel like it's my job to sort of read between the lines. You can sort of tell what someone is kind of leaning towards, whether mm -hmm. they're conscious of it or not. Just so happened my undergraduate degree was in sociology. And I swear mm -hmm. I lean on those skills just as much. Because you, sure. you can just sort of see, you can tell someone just keeps looking at one thing. Well, obviously that's the one that they're really drawn to. They may not mm -hmm. even know why or be able to, to articulate it. But yeah, I, I agree, I think. And then they'll say something like, I don't know why I like this, but I just, I do. And it's like, yeah. well, who cares? Like, just like it then, you know? Like, I actually love it when people say that. Yeah. I mean, I love that because then I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, why? It doesn't matter. If you like it, you like it. Yeah. And that's important for us as designers to pick up on. So I guess m one piece of advice I would have is like, really let people know what you like. And there's not like a big science to it. Just right. you could talk about what your favorite color is and why it makes you happy. Because I was recently doing a consultation with a client and I like to sort of see maybe one inspiration photo. Cause even from one photo, I can pick up yeah. on a lot yep. and she just couldn't show me one. And I was like, okay, so I really worked to pull it out of her. And right. I was like, because sometimes I, I want to know what you don't like. That really helps me. So, so sometimes I'll say, say that. I, people, I feel if you ask them for an inspiration photo, some people feel like it's a test that they might yeah. fail somehow. Yeah. So yeah. I'll flip it on them and say, great, send me something you don't like. And mm -hmm. I said, don't tell me why. And they're mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? I said, I can probably tell from what you don't like what it is you do like. They're like, really? And it just seems to un you know, take that edge off because I've had the same thing. I've had clients be like, I can't, I can't find any inspiration. I'm thinking, how is that possible? And I think they're taking it like a test that I'm going to yeah. somehow judge or grade or, you know, the whole project's going to go off the rails because of something that they show me. 
Right. And so to the audience, know that it doesn't because they could even say something to me like, and so what I did too, to break it down, because I really needed something to go on because sure. as designers, we do need just a little clue. Yeah, I'll call it like a little clue, right? And I don't, I don't need a lot. Sometimes it could be a piece of fabric that inspires me for a whole room, you sure. know? Yeah. But so with this person, I sort of said, okay, what colors make you feel good? And then she started to say, okay, you know, I have this, this, and this. I like that. I was like, okay, good. That helps, you know? And then we sort of built this little story. And again, I had to pull it out of her more, but I did need those clues. But once I had that, I was able to put the whole room together. Right. So yeah, it is important to articulate and communication is is a key thing with every relationship and particularly with your designer from both ends, right? Yeah. The designer needs to be clear on, you know, what their path is for you and you need to be clear on like what your goals are and and how to achieve them. So all that is important, but that it factor I think like anything else in life, right? That sort of oh, it just clicked. Right. You want to feel that click. And I would say as a client, if you don't feel that click after you meet with somebody or talk to somebody, move on, move and, on. and look for somebody else, right? Yeah, there's enough of us out there. Sure. Yeah. Having said that, for people that have never worked with a designer before, because there are a lot of young families and for my audience, you know, they're going from an apartment to buying a new house and it's a lot for them. So they need somebody to help. Yes. What do you think are the biggest considerations? Because I think what can be hard about the social media and everything else, and in certain market areas, like in my area, there's a lot of designers. There probably are where you are too. So they have so many to choose from. What do you think is the best way to kind of narrow it down? Well, I mean, I think if you can, if you know someone's work, you have a friend or a coworker and they had help, you know, I would start there. I wouldn't necessarily judge on on the actual visuals, because like we just said, the, that may have been completely chosen by your friend or coworker. But I would say, you know, that the general feel, I mean, I would like to believe my clients would all say something flattering about me. And you start there, you think, oh, okay, well, she really liked her. It really doesn't matter about the design. I think, mm -hmm. I think the personality is so much more important. I mean, so long as you get to a threshold of quality, you know, you'll see things or hear people say, well, I took the job for free because I need the work. Well, that's yeah. probably not the threshold I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a threshold of some quality. Right. But I do think the meeting is super important and or at least first talk on the phone. And if it's awkward and uncomfortable, it may be awkward and uncomfortable in person as well. Yeah. And so my big piece of advice, too, is before you even do that, it's kind of like what I was saying in the beginning. You need to be ready, meaning you need to be ready to have a collaborative experience, let somebody else in on the process to help and guide you. And be willing to do that. And I say that, I know it sounds funny, but people think they want the help and then you get in there and they really want to control everything. So you have to be ready to sort of unleash and be willing, I guess I would say, to let somebody else help, at least impart their opinion and look at things a little differently. That's a big, I think that's a big thing into why it might work and not work sometimes too. Sure. And I would say there's the kind of a surge in people who want to hire interior designers, but do the work themselves and then use their trade discounts. That's the sad oh, world yeah. in which yeah. we are now existing in. And the problem is, you know, obviously that doesn't work, right? In that that's defeating the whole purpose. I mean, there's right. there are ways of finding discounts just in the general sense. Mm -hmm. I think really you should be ready if it's something 
that you've researched enough to know, or you have someone who has experienced it and can, you know, give you their, you know, 411 on how their experience went. I think watching some of these shows is maybe a good start, but they're pretty based in, you know, staged elements. And that's my only fear is I I have found some younger clients sort of want to recreate what they see on these shows. And, you know, we sort of, calmly and, and politely explain to them that that's not based in the reality that, of which I know. But some of the broader strokes are there. So, sure. I, you know, I think that may help. There aren't as many, you know, shelter magazines as there once were. Yeah. But I think seeing some of those and really appreciating what a professional can bring to the table as opposed to just, you know, a family friend or, or your neighbor yeah, I, I agree with you. And then going from an apartment to a house, I did that. I left New York City in 2000 mm-hmm. and and moved to a house. And it you you do. I mean, you need what your your podcast is all about. I mean, mm-hmm. it was so lovely to have a car, you know. And and I actually kept a car in New York because I had a very large dog, but I didn't yeah. use it for errands. You know, right. I used it for commuting right. to and from. So I think even furnishing a house versus an apartment, you just, you simply see things differently. You all of a sudden yeah. have all of this space. So I think having yep. someone, a professional helping you move out of the city is, is crucial. Just logistical things. I mean, all of a sudden you have a staircase. Well, you've yeah. got to, you've got to get <laughs> things up the staircase. You know? Right. Corner. <laughs> Around that? the that corner. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, now you no longer have an elevator to contend with, but, right. but you know, so there are these really kind of quirky things that actually I have found really beneficial in my business because I learned in New York. So I learned kind of the harder way. And so I see things differently. Like I'll, you know, a chandelier won't fit through a doorway. I'm like, let's look at the window. And they're all looking at me like, what does she mean? And yeah. you know, I was thinking, well, that's yeah. what we had to do in New York. So, right. No, you do. You and do. even in the suburbs, there's things we've had to bring through, through sliding doors and right. whatever, you know? Right. It just depends on on what application you're doing. But I think another good way to determine if you even are ready or need a designer is maybe ask yourself, do I even have the bandwidth for this? So I think some people are different than others. I think some people have the time or the interest or the passion to be like, you know, there's a lot that I can do on my own. I just need a little bit of a, a guide so I don't make a mistake, right? And then there's different levels, let's just call it. Right. And so I think, you know, like I spoke with a potential new client today and she was just like, you know, my issue right now is I just don't have the bandwidth. She's like, I work full time. I have an almost three-year-old at home and with homeschooling and with COVID, like it's just, and we're moving, right? It's just right. a lot. And it is, it's a lot. And it is so a lot. you have to decide like, how much do I need the help and the services? And then, you know, what am I willing to invest to get that help? And and it is an investment. And I see fewer and fewer kind of turnkey situations. I mean, when I first yes. started, it was, you know, here's the key and I'll see you in six months. Sure. Uh, you know, everybody wants the, the involvement. Yeah. Which is good, actually. I think project is healthier when there's the involvement. I do too. I love the collaboration. Yes. Yes. But I agree with you. You need to have the time to be committing to that. And, you know, people think, oh, I'm just going to do my living room, my dining room. How long could that possibly take? Maybe six weeks. And right. then, you know, you start actually laying it all out. You're thinking, oh, I got to have the bandwidth for how long? You know, so I, I don't think people maybe have the best understanding 
of the length of time, and it may not be active time day in and day out, mm -hmm. but I know I'm struggling with lead times and trying to get product out of any part, whether it's in our country or outside of our country. So, right. you know, when someone says, oh, I want something in six weeks, uh, I think, mm -hmm. okay, well, that's going to limit the options and, and almost to maybe none. Again, it's a service and it's exactly. like- we all pay for services for different things. I pay for them in my own house. I pay for them in my business, yep. right? I hire experts in my business to do various things that are not in my wheelhouse or that I don't have the bandwidth for. Right. So it's no different as a customer if you're like, I really, because here's the thing too, is that, you know, furniture is an investment no matter where you're buying it from. I'm yeah. sorry, but it all adds up. Yep. And to me, it's like having a designer that clicks with you, that has the same goals in mind, whatever. To me, it's like the insurance policy because you could mess up on one paint job, one <laughs> countertop installation, yeah. one sectional and coffee table that are wrong. Sure. And you've already blown a ton of money. Right. And so, time. And time. And I always say time is money. Yeah, um, sure. It is. And that's why even like in my business, I hire certain people out to do certain things because it's time. It's a time issue, right? Time issue. So it's no different because we are in a service business. So I mean, I guess to wrap up this portion of it, I would just say that, yes, it's a service. Determine if you're ready. And then if you think you are ready, go with your gut. Like uh, when there's that click or there's that spark, that's your person. I'll and let I you give a few of your tips think, on that. Depending on what you are looking for. You yeah. know, if you're looking for, uh, for a designer who will give you guidance when you go out on your own to a retail store or, you know, shopping online and mm -hmm. then also fill in. I, I have designers, friends who won't touch that. They, they're like, sure. nope, it also come through me or none at all. Yep. So I think those are ways of, you know, once you establish sort of what you want to do, I have, I have some clients who just love to go shopping. If I yes. told them, I don't take it personally. If I told them they couldn't go shopping, you know, I don't even know what they would do. They would just, be distraught. Right. So, you know, it doesn't bother me, but there are going to be designers out there who will say, absolutely not. That's not how yes. this project's going to work. So that's a yep. good way of sort of weeding out that first level if there are a lot of options, because there are definitely some who will say no to that. Yes. And that's the other thing too, is that I'll just add, we all work very differently. Yes. You know, and so like you just pointed out, find someone that works with the way you want to work. So if you want to do shopping and that designer says, absolutely not, you're going to end up frustrated and mm -hmm. upset and probably the designer will too. Right. So that's a super, super good point. Right. And I find it frustrating that there's no sort of industry standards Standard. as yeah. far as billing. Yeah. And I know the clients do too, but, yeah. but I want them to know that the designers find it frustrating as well, because it, it is very hard to compare apples to apples. So that's it also is. where you kind of lean on the it factor. Yes. And people have to understand too, people say, why is there such a difference? But everybody's businesses have very different overhead. Mm -hmm. It depends on how they're staffed, if they have a retail combined with their design. I mean, there's a million different reasons why, but I will just impart on the audience, there is a reason why. So yes. Oh, right. It's not haphazard. Right. Sometimes I think that is sort of the first thought they go to. Like I had a client years ago once inquire why was I charging sales tax? And I said, because that's the Connecticut state law. <laughs> and he actually said to me, he actually inferred that I was just charging the sales tax and keeping it. And I'm like, you can call the state of Connecticut and check. Like, I mean, it's insulting. Yeah. I mean, we're running businesses. So on your sales tax, so where I am in Delaware, I, I could walk to Pennsylvania if I left my office right now. Mm -hmm. I could walk there <laughs> in about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so half our clients 
sometimes more than half, live in Pennsylvania. Oh. And there is no sales tax in Delaware, but there right. is sales tax in Pennsylvania. Sure. And so they say, well, can you just receive it, Renee? Uh-huh. And I say, well, I could, but I do know that the state law is its point of final destination. And I have a feeling you know that too. But yeah, it's, it's really challenging and people will push that. I haven't had it asked them in quite some time, but still it is asked, you know, can you just receive that for me? And I'm thinking, yeah. well, I could, but I really can't, you know. So right. uh, it is fascinating how far people will try to sort of nudge, nudge those loopholes. Yeah. And what's hard is that doesn't happen in a lot of other industries. Like, Correct. It doesn't. You know? Yes. And it's kind of like, I say like, so when you walk into like buy your watch or your fancy outfit, did you ask them what they paid the vendor? I doubt right. it. <laughs> Correct. So, but we do, we all have overhead. If we don't have a store, we still have overhead. I have a lot of overhead. So, you know, we're paying people that are on our team to do various things. So, you know, it's all very interesting. I want to move on to your niche and what you do and your services, because I think it's a great thing for people. And especially when we're talking about DIY and taking on some things on their own, this new service and podcast and information you have, I just think is so great. So I'd love to have you chat about that. Sure. Well, it sort of just evolved. I, like I said, I was in design school in New York and at the time, it actually, I don't think is the case anymore. At the time, it was mostly run by architects. So mm-hmm. it just sort of had this bend to the curriculum. It was just heavy in architectural drawing and drafting and codes. And I thought that was normal, right? I was young. I was mm-hmm. you know, in school and this is you know, great school and here I am. And so mm-hmm. when I graduated, the firm I went into did residential construction on top of decorating. We've always done decorating. Mm-hmm. And our clients would be buying the apartment above them, below them, left, right, whatever. And I had passed my NCIDQ, which is the, the National Council of Interior Design Qualification Licensing. So mm-hmm. I could move anything that isn't a load-bearing wall. Well, in apartments, you get pretty lucky. There aren't as many as there are in houses. And Mm -hmm. so we would be hired to determine, okay, you've now got two kitchens. Which one are you keeping? You know, there are all sorts of crazy things. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. the code issues with the fire doors in between apartments. And so I just spent the first, you know, half of my career trudging around construction sites. And I loved Mm. it. I really loved it. I didn't realize that was sort of unusual for a designer. And Mm -hmm. then when I moved home, I was all of a sudden working for an architecture firm and I was running their interiors department. So again, it was sort of that natural thing. I was again on job sites. And when Mm -hmm. I sort of went beyond that, all of a sudden I was in these, you know, a decorator's office and I was just getting the itch. I'm like, why Mm -hmm. why are we not doing any construction? So I have really kept my career doing, you know, construction. I would say I do about 50 to 60% of my annual work is construction. Yeah. And, and it's not all, you know, huge construction. I mean, we'll take on a bathroom or a kitchen or... Could be like remodeling versus like building from ground up or knocking down and building, right? Like Absolutely. Could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, you know, you go to a dinner party and everybody tells you there's horror stories about whatever construction they were taking on or... <laughs> It's always a horror story. They never tell you the good stuff. I know. And, I know. You know, they'd be like, Renee, what about this? And what do you think about that? And, you know, so I'm sitting there, like, you know, basically 
you know, trying to counsel them on, on what to do next. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it bothered me one, if I really felt that they were being taken advantage of, it really killed me because I can't stand that. Um, yeah, me too. And then the other was, God, I wish I could you know, share this with more people. I just, I naively thought this was a pretty commonly known entity. Yeah. And so you and I met through a group and, you know, it sort of opened this world of, of how to reach more people. Mm-hmm. So I developed the podcast. We really struggled with the name because, you know, you read all of this, you know, industry guidance on how to how to pick your catchy name. And a friend was saying, well, well, how would you describe yourself? And mm-hmm. I said, well, I always describe myself as the only girl on the job site because mm-hmm. it's true. And she's like, well, then there's your title. So, I love that title, by yeah, the way. So yes, just to, to reiterate to the audience, Renee's podcast is the only girl on the job site and you can get it wherever you get your podcast. I'm just got to yeah. plug that. Sorry. It's, it's I think been fun I, because that is yeah. who I am. I mean, I, yeah. I was on two job sites today already, yeah. not a girl in sight. And there's, you know, there are issues that come with that. I've been called sweetie, honey, babe, you know, all sorts of oh, yeah. interesting names, yep. you know, but on the other hand, I always treat them with respect. I always mm-hmm. want to be learning. Mm-hmm. I actually was learning something today after what, 27 years, this plumber yeah. was showing me something I'd never, never heard of before. Yeah. So this podcast has been great because it's given me a platform to really share just the fundamentals of, of how you get a project off the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny, I was pitching it to a friend of mine and she's like, I'm pretty handy. Obviously, I actually, I've always been handy and she's very handy. So she's like, but mm-hmm. don't people already know that? And mm-hmm. I said, you'd think they would. I said, but no, I said, we're unusual. She's like, I never thought about that. So it's been really fun. And part of the problem I'm having is actually to remove some of the, well, I think people know this, you know, because I just assume there's this baseline and then I'll get a feedback question. Someone asked me, I was referring to something as, you know, the subs on the project. And I got this message and the woman goes, I've been listening, but I don't know what a sub is. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I got to go back and explain that's a subcontractor. So it's, it's been really, been really exciting because I've seen so many jobs go badly. And, and I've seen, you know, I'm, you know, in the perfect world, I'm brought on in the beginning, but mm-hmm. more often than not, I'm brought in as the, oh my God, it's all gone wrong. Let's get this the fixer fit. upper girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you walk in, you think, how did you get to this point? And you know, right. okay, how can we pull you off the brink? And we always do, but I'm always in my head going, how could we have avoided this? And so that's really my, you know, that's my goal is how to avoid these nightmare situations that I've personally seen and not saying that you will avoid everything, but I I think you could probably avoid a whole hell of a lot if you listened. So is your niche basically like somebody who wants to take on and be what I'll call the GC general contractor of their own construction or remodeling job? That would be the audience. Yes. Well, not the GC just because they're not going to be doing the work, but they're the ones that are going to be running, you know, the project, even if something as small as, you know, a painting project that might take a week or so. You know, I have countless stories of people who tell me all these crazy things that go wrong and it's, it was a five day project and it almost inevitably boils down to they weren't prepared. They Mm -hmm. didn't do any homework and they Mm -hmm. weren't organized and all of that's free by the way, and yeah. does take some time. 
but it doesn't cost them anything. And, and I think some of it is they just didn't even know, first of all, that they had to do that. And second of all, where to do that. So, so it's basically how to run any home project in your house on your own project. if you're not hiring a professional to oversee it with you, right? right. I mean, and then the execution's the a different is, thing. Yeah. As I've been sort of building this, and I'm actually working on a course that really goes into you know minute details, is I would actually enjoy it if my clients had this knowledge. I think it would really benefit sure. an interior designer or an architect or a contractor if the homeowner had this baseline knowledge knew what a sub was, for instance, you know, because yeah, then yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have to spend all that time educating a client on the fly, yeah. you know, as they're yeah. trying to get something done. I think it really could be beneficial for people who are even working with interior designers. There's no you know, trade secrets that are being given away. If, right. Well, I don't know. Totally. No, but, I mean, because there's a lot of moving parts. Absolutely. There's a lot of moving parts in interior design work, but there's a lot of moving parts with, I do remodels myself too, mm-hmm. and I like them. There's a lot of project management and coordination that has to happen for it to execute smoothly. Absolutely. And so I think what you're doing is so valuable, you know, to consumers, to interior designers, to even people who work in the trade in other fields, because there are so many details, right? So, I mean, what you do is you kind of like put it together in an organized fashion that's understandable and sort of these checklists, right, of, you know, how you can handle all of it. So I think that's great. Yeah. And I actually had a designer reach out to me saying that she had done one or two construction projects. Mm -hmm. And she said, but I didn't really have a lot of knowledge. I'm actually going to listen so that I can offer that to more clients, which I thought was fascinating. It was an angle, you know, I really hadn't thought of. But I also think what's helpful is I always add in like a real life story because sometimes people just don't quite understand it. And I, and I think the stories and examples, and while they're not always a positive example, they do sort of fill in the, I don't quite get it part. And, you know, having done this enough, there, there's plenty of stories to uh, illustrate a point. Yeah. And I always think too, with these jobs that it's really important to have a team and everyone has their expertise, right? So you have, there's an architect, a builder, an interior designer. Let's say you had all three. Okay. What makes that a nice team is I always think architects and interior designers make a really nice team because the architect not only plans the inside, but they're I think they're very thoughtful about, well, if we do this on the inside, what happens to the outside of the structure? But then I think the interior designer's input of, well, how, how's that going to flow? How's this going to feel when you walk from this room to this room? Right. How do we make sure the guest room doesn't end up the tiny little closet of a room? We might need a bigger, whatever. Right. Right. But, and when I do my remodels, it's, I work with a builder. Sometimes we have an architect. It depends on what's happening, if a wall's coming down or not. But let's say it's just a remodel where that isn't happening. We make a nice team because I sort of oversee all the material selection, making sure he has it on time for all the GCs, any troubleshooting that comes up. You know, I mean, again, it's a service, but he has a lot of the technical knowledge, sure. right? Yep. And can manage it. So, I mean, again, I think like with anything, having a team of experts is nice, but having people understand that team and being able to step in to do it on their own and knowing everyone kind of has their spot in it is a really nice nice way to be able to do it. Well, you know? and I think it also illustrates why you have the team. I think there's times I've, I've heard it where the husband's like, I don't understand. Why do we have this person here? Why am I paying for him? Right. Well, because he doesn't, you know, obviously this husband doesn't quite understand the innate roles that every player has. 
So I think it just, it always goes down to education. I find just the more people understand our business. And I think, you know, for better or for worse, our industry has always sort of had this like smoke and mirrors, you know, reputation. And while I've never worked in that, I've never even seen it. You know, you hear these horror stories about, oh, oh God, I know. Right. And so yeah. I think there's always this what are they up to? You know, they, they come in yeah. just assuming the worst about everybody. And so yeah. my goal is also to sort of just remove all of that. This is what these people are supposed to be doing. And now, yep. to be honest, if I educate these people, you know, the homeowners, and then yep. they see their contractors and stuff aren't doing it, well, guess what? They've got the wrong team members, you know, so then right. at least they can, you know, have the confidence to say, actually, I think I'm in the wrong spot. I need to yeah. stop and, and reevaluate. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that because with my design services, and I was just talking to a new client today where I was like, I just want to remove all that. Like, this yeah. doesn't need to be intimidating. No. This doesn't need to be like an attitude thing. This is about how can design be accessible to you? How can you have this house you love? End of story. End of story. Like, we don't yeah. need all that other noise. And yeah, no. where all that other stuff comes from, I don't even get why or how it happens. You know, that's not how I've ever done business, and I know no. you either. So I think most of the industry is above board. I do think there's right. always going to be some bad apples, but I think it really does poison a lot when I don't think it's well earned. Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. It's not. And very I go well into deserved. that in the courses, even the simple things of you know, and I'm sure you've seen this in renovations where people feel like they're you know hiding out in their own home because right. there's an invasion of strange men you know yeah. so uh, you yeah. know we go into that like what do you do and how do you and i find it fascinating and these are you know close personal friends who you know sort of use me as a sounding board and you know they'll call me and they're like yeah i'm, I'm going to be in this room for a couple of hours i'm like why I'm like what what are you doing you know and they feel right. you know that they're you know sort of held captive and so we sort of go into all of this is it you know so that they have this common understanding of what their role is as well as what the contractor the plumber electrician all those guys roles are as well yeah, no, I think that's great. So to recap, you have the podcast, you have full service design still, right? And I then do. you're coming out with the course? Yes. So yeah, I have great. Um, the podcast is live, Only Girl on the Job Site. Great. I have a renovation workbook download and a paint tips guide that the workbook is fantastic. It's really like it's an actual checklist. It's things great. that Jill, you and I go through. We don't even know we're going through them probably. I, yeah, and, exactly. But it's something they can literally print out and in interviewing their contractor and say, okay, these are the questions I'm supposed to ask. Now, Wonder of course, and that's a freebie, right? That's a freebie. It's right on the Great. website. They can download Good. that. I've had two people use it and, and the, the comments have really been funny. They're like, yeah, the contractor was a little surprised that I needed to ask that. And I said, Good. Right? Oh, that's great. I love right? that. Exactly. Yeah. And and what I think is so great is then that contractor knows that this woman is is doing her research. She's going to come in prepared. You know, I think everybody's going to be better off that way. You know what? It's empowering. It's totally empowering. And so instead of like a person feeling at a place of, you know, they don't know enough and they're going to be taken, now they can be empowered right. and know what questions to ask. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I take a really deep dive in the course about contracts for that very same point. Oh, that's good. Because sure. I've had clients, you know, who sign off on things that they had no idea they signed off on and yet it's oh. written in black and white. Wow. So how they missed it or didn't pay attention or didn't understand it. So I think there's a wealth of knowledge that goes missing and people think, what's the big deal? I'm just ripping out a bathroom. 
Yeah. Well, well, wait till you see what's underneath. Right. That's when there's a big deal. No, right. I know. And people or like you be. and me, we laugh. We're like, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I'll call you in six months and see how, you, right. how you're working out. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, let's wrap with you telling everybody your website address and then the best social media platforms. And then we'll put all that in the show notes. And if the freebies are on your website, it'll link to there. If there's a separate link, we can put it all in the show notes for people to grab that because go for it, guys, grab it. Renee is so organized with this and she will have you covered. Even as a designer who does remodels, I can learn from her. So it's, she's got it down and yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my goal is, is anyone who needs the guidance, it's there for them. Yeah. So go ahead and let us know your website address so and website any social media. Is www.devignedesign.com. And I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook, Devigne Design and Instagram, same as Devigne Design. And my website has all of the, the links and the downloads on it. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put that all in the show notes. I loved having you with me today. I've been wanting to have another designer on for a little bit. I think it's good to just you know, talk honestly to people about how this works and what to look for. And like, don't feel bad if you're not ready to hire a designer yet. It's probably better to wait if you're not. And if you are ready, go with your gut and that's okay too. And I think Renee and I are both pretty down to earth and realistic about this also. And so that's why I thought you'd be also a good person to have on the show. So really kind of take away any of that noise that we talked about and just let people know like to take a deep breath and it'll be okay. And chances are their gut is right, mm-hmm. right? So thank you so much for your time. I hope people check out your website and podcast. It's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank so you. I'm sure you and I will connect soon as we always love to chat. Absolutely. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Renee. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Renee. I hope that it gave you a little bit of insight and some advice and some tips if you're struggling trying to figure out who to hire to help you with your own home. It is definitely a very personal experience. Really, the ultimate thing is to feel comfortable. So when you feel it in your gut, good or bad, go with that. So wherever there's a click, wherever your gut instinct tells you it's a match, that's probably a good way to go. And as we did say, you know, Everybody has a very different business model and prices differently and runs their services a little bit differently. And it's just how their business is designed. So you wanna take that into consideration to make sure that's a good fit with you and your expectations. So again, I hope this was helpful. I always like to try to you know, bring subject matter on to help you, assist you and feel like design is accessible for you and your home, because it is. So with that, from my home to yours, I will see you here next week. Thanks. So I hope you're enjoying the show. I know for me, it's been amazing, and I love connecting with all the guests I've had on and connecting with you, the audience. So it's still a young podcast, and so in celebration of that, I want to announce a second giveaway promotion. I am going to be giving away one of my online one-to-one digital services. It is a $500 value. It is ideal to help you if you are moving and need to start getting some decorating done for your home. So all you have to do to win is subscribe, rate, and review this show, and I will pick someone at random. It will probably be selected within the next four to six weeks. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.